So welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Menashe. This is the weekend edition, and we are here live in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Today, we're going to be talking about economics 101. And sometimes, you know, when we talk about real estate, we get wrapped around the axle. We get twisted around all of these concepts like comparable sales and all of this stuff. And you know what? it actually doesn't matter. What matters is Economics 101, and that's what people often forget. And so we're gonna take it right back to basics today. Let me take a moment just to introduce a little bit what I do, what I do today. I started out my career as a microprocessor designer, completely different industry. And that was some of the most fun I had in my career, but about 2009, I was getting burned out, I was flying back and forth to Japan every couple of weeks, building a new cellular network there and decided to take a left turn in my career and do something completely different and decided to get into the world of real estate investing and development full time. And that's what I did. So I built apartment buildings. Um, some of you actually came on a property tour that we did back in July here in Philadelphia. Put up your hand if you're on that tour. Awesome. Uh, that was lots of fun. So we were showing you what we were doing in the Philadelphia market. And later on in the talk, I'll give you some of those examples. Today, I'm building larger projects together with my partner, Dave Zook. We're building a 240-unit project in uh, Louisiana. But I don't want you to think that I was born with any special gift, that you know I come from a different gene pool or anything like that. I started, just like everybody else, with one unit. This was my very first property. It was a one-bedroom condominium in downtown Ottawa. The business case there, very simple. Ottawa's a government town. Long before Airbnb existed, I saw a need for medium-term executive rentals where people were on a housing allowance, whether it's embassy staff, parliamentary staff, and I started that business. This is not real estate. This is identifying a business need. And so I'm, what I'm going to talk about tonight is very simply approaching everything, and I mean everything, from a pure business perspective. Question for you. What is a bargain? This is a property in Detroit. Priced $16,900. It's an 1,100-square-foot house. Probably rent for about 800 bucks a month. The question is, put up your hand if you think that's a bargain. Okay. So the question is, what's a bargain? Any takers from the audience? What's a bargain? Yes. I don't know. What's a bargain? Exactly. So if... I'm, I'm, I apologize. I don't have any U.S. money on me. I've got a, a Canadian $5 bill on me. So if if I took this Canadian $5 bill and I offered it to you for... $4, you'd probably take that deal because you can make a clean buck right the next minute. I'm giving it to you at a discount because we have some notion of what this is worth. Now, if I offered it to you for 6 bucks, you wouldn't take it. That doesn't make any sense. And if I offered to you at 5 bucks, well, you might take it, but what's the point? So the question is, what is, what is this house worth? Now, Zillow, I don't know if you can see from the back, the Z estimate here says it's worth $19,688. Don't ask me how they came up with that number. Maybe that's one definition of a bargain. I look at it from a different perspective, and I want you to take your thinking to something very fundamental. Let's call the laws of supply and demand. Very, very simple. Detroit population peaked at 2.2 million a few decades ago. Do you know what the population is today? 650,000. So is there more supply than demand? That's why these houses are going for less than 20 grand. You can put it on your visa card. It's not just evaluating in terms of construction costs. It has to be viewed in the context of supply and demand. 
There's excess supply. That's why these houses are going for under 20 grand. So when you look at anything, I want you to look at it through the lens of supply and demand. And you want to be in a situation where there's always an excess of demand. You want that tipped in your favor. If there's too much supply, it doesn't help you. This is one of the greatest markets in the country. Seattle has some great employers. You've got Amazon, you have Microsoft. Expedia is moving their headquarters to a building on the waterfront right in downtown Seattle. Uh, you've got Starbucks. There's strong jobs. It's awesome. Wouldn't you love to own property in Seattle? <laughs> here's, here's the problem. Last year, absorption of new properties in, of rental properties in Seattle was about 8,000 units. Now, the problem is the developers looked at that previous slide that I just showed you of all those great employers and said, let's build. And today there's 25,000 brand new vacant apartments in downtown Seattle. How many years is that going to take to get absorbed? Oh, and by the way, there's another 32,000 at the permit stage. So if you strictly look at the demand side of the equation, you can get fooled. You got to look at both. You have to look at both. So the question is, actually, we're going to do a little game here. So who has Let's say you're a landlord. Who has the money? The tenants. Exactly right. The tenants have the money. Is there someone here in the room? I, I need two volunteers. I need a volunteer that has no money with them tonight, and I need a volunteer with like five bucks. You have no money? Is there someone with like five bucks who can come up? You got five bucks? Perfect. All right, so we, we have our two volunteers. Okay, so this is a this is a protein bar. Um, it's it's a little beat up. It was in the bottom of my briefcase a little bit too long, so you can see it's kind of crushed here in the corner. But it's still good. It's still good. This is a C-class apartment. And um, what's your name? Jamie. Jamie. So Jamie is a prospective tenant here, and I want to qualify him, but I I can see he's got five bucks, so he can afford this. This is only a dollar, so you know I've seen proof of funds, so. He's a good candidate, okay, for this C-class apartment. Now, Michael here is broke, so I could sign him up as a, a as a tenant, but guess what's going to happen? As soon as I sign him up, I'm into collections. Why would you ever, ever want to be in a business where you're setting up the game that way right from the very beginning? Now, if you can qualify your tenants and find that subset where you're not going to be spending all your time in collections, that's great. And you can do very well in C-class apartments. But if you have, if you struggle to make that distinction, then it's going to be a problem because the tenants have the money. It's not we who go raise money and buy buildings. We don't have the money, not yet. We're borrowing money. We're borrowing against that future income stream. The money has to transfer to us over the next 25 years in order to pay down that note. That's how it works. So if you are doing business with people who don't have money, you're setting yourself up for failure. Does that make sense? Real simple. Okay, thank you very much. Next, I need somebody. Does anyone have like a $100 bill? Anyone have 100 bucks? Perfect. So Jerry is going to be my tenant. This is, this is a temple bar. This is an A-class apartment. This is really nice. <laughs> this is really nice. 
Now it's a it's a bit more expensive than the other one. This is double the price. It's two bucks. But you know, I've seen his proof of funds, and even if he goes out and you know does his grocery shopping, he's got plenty of money left over. I don't have to worry about ever being in collections with Jerry because he has the money. Does that make sense? You want to set it up so that you make sure that who you're doing business with has the ability on a sustained basis because you are selling them your apartment not just once when they sign the lease. You're selling it to them every month, every month. It's like when you go to the grocery store. The grocery store earns your business every day, not just once when you say, I'm going to shop at Safeway or Aldi or whoever you, you, you shop with. You, they're making the sale every day, and they know you're going to be hungry the next day. But they're doing business with you every day. And it's the same thing when you're a landlord, too. Well, thank you, Jerry, and thank you to all our volunteers. Hopefully this shows you exactly what's possible when you are a landlord, how you really need to set up the game to win. Even though our product here were a couple of protein bars, an expensive one, and one that had been sitting in the bottom of my briefcase a little bit too long as my C-Class apartment, it shows you what you really want to do to set up the game to win. As a landlord, the two most critical questions are, number one, what is the supply-demand situation? And number two, do the tenants have the money? As you're thinking about that, have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.